Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with Nicholas and Heather Vesey. So today, I've just come back from England, uh, so I thought just I'd do a series on home, the whole idea of home. And uh, I'm going to start with a little bit of a reading. Um, now, has anybody here read The Wind in the Willows? Does anybody know The Wind in the Willows? No, The Wind in the Willows, anyway. In The Wind in the Willows, there is a fantastic passage that for me exemplifies the, the feelings of home. So it's a couple of pages, so I sit back and just uh, take that in. So if you think it's going to end in a second, it's not. So it's a little bit of a thing. So I'm going to uh, uh, use this. Um, and it's a story, Wind in the Willows, it's a story of animals living in a forest and the adventures they get up to. And our two heroes are Ratty and Moly. And at this point, Ratty and Mole have been to visit their friend Badger. Uh, they then set out for Ratty's home and they have to go through the wild wood uh, to get there. And it begins, they begin their journey late and it was threatening to snow. Once beyond the village, where the cottages ceased abruptly, on either side of the road, they could smell through the darkness the friendly fields again. And they braced themselves for the last long stretch, the home stretch, the stretch that we know is bound to end sometime in the rattle of the door latch, the sudden firelight, and the sight of familiar things greeting us as long absent travellers from far overseas. They plodded along steadily and silently, each of them thinking his own thoughts. The moles ran a good deal on supper as it was pitch dark and it was all a strange country for him as far as he knew. And he was following obediently in the, in the wake of Rat, leaving the guidance entirely to him. For the rat, he was walking a little way ahead, as was his habit, his shoulders humped, his eyes fixed on the straight grey road in front of him. So he didn't notice poor Mole when suddenly the summons reached him and took him like an electric shock. We others, who've long lost the more subtle physical senses, have not even proper terms to express an animal's intercommunication with his surroundings, living or otherwise, and have only the word smell, for instance, to include a whole wide range of delicate thrills which murmur in the nose of the animal night and day, summoning, warning, inciting, repelling. It was one of those mysterious fairy calls from out of the void that suddenly reached Mole in the darkness, making him tingle through and through with its very familiar appeal, even while yet he couldn't clearly remember what it was. He stopped dead in his tracks, his nose searching hither and thither in its efforts to recapture the fine filament, the telegraphic current that had so strongly moved him. A moment and he caught it again. And with it this time came the recollection in fullest flood. Home. That was what that meant. Those caressing appeals, those soft touches wafting through the air, those invisible little hands pulling and tugging one way and the other. Why, it must be quite close by to him at the moment. His old home. He'd hurried, forsaken, and never sought to see again that day when he first found the river. 
And now it was sending out its scouts and its messengers to capture him and bring him in. Since his escape on that bright morning, he'd hardly given it a thought. So absorbed did he be in the new life and its pleasures, its surprises, its fresh and captivating experiences. Now, with a rush of old memories, how clearly it stood up before him in the darkness. Shabby indeed, and small and poorly furnished, and yet his the home he'd made for himself, the home he'd been so happy to get back to after his day's work. And the home had been happy for him too, evidently, and was missing him and wanting him back and was telling him so through his nose, sorrowfully, reproachfully, but with no bitterness or anger, only with a plaintive reminder that it was there and wanted him. The, clear, the call was clear, the summons was plain. He must obey it instantly and go. Ratty, he called, full of joy and excitement. Hold on, come back. I want you quick. Oh, do come on, Mole, replied Ratty reproachfully, still plodding along. Please, Ratty, stop, pleaded poor Mole in anguish of heart. You you don't understand. It's my home, my old home. I've just come across the smell of it and it's close by. It's really close by. I must go to it. I must go, Ratty. Please, please come back. The rat was by this time very far ahead, too far to hear clearly what Mole was calling, too far to catch the sharp note of painful appeal in his voice. And he was much taken up with the weather, for he too could smell something, something that smelt suspiciously like snow. Mole, we mustn't stop now, really, he called back. We'll come for it tomorrow, whatever it is you find, but I daren't stop now. It's late, the snow's coming on, and I'm not sure the way. And I want your nose, Mole, so come quick. There's a good fellow. The rat pressed forward on his way without waiting for an answer. The Mole subsided forlornly on a tree stump and tried to control himself, for he felt it surely coming. The sob he'd fought so long refused now to be beaten. Up and up it forced its way into the air and then another and then another. Others thick and fast till poor Mole at last gave up the struggle and cried freely and helplessly and openly now that he knew it was all over and he'd lost what he could hardly have said to have found. Rat. Astonished and dismayed by the violence of Mole's paroxysms of grief, did not dare speak for a while. At last he said very quietly and sympathetically, What is it, old fellow? Whatever can the matter be? Tell us your trouble. Let me see what I can do. Poor Mole found it difficult to get any words out between the upheavals of his chest that followed one upon another so quickly and held back speech and choked as it came again. I know it's a, it's a shabby, dingy little place, he sobbed at last, brokenly. Not like your cosy quarters or Toad's beautiful hall or Badger's great house, but it's my own little home, and I was fond of it, and I went away and forgot about it, and then I smelt it suddenly on the road. When I called, you wouldn't listen, Rat, and everything came back to me with a rush, and I wanted it to Dear, oh dear, and when you wouldn't come back, Ratty, I had to leave it, that I was smelling it all the time, and I thought my heart would break. We might have just gone, just for one look, Ratty, one look, it's close by, but 
You wouldn't turn back, Reggie. You wouldn't turn back. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Recollection brought fresh waves of sorrow, and the sobs again took full charge of him, preventing further speech. The rat stared straight in front of him, saying nothing, only patting Mole's shoulder gently. After a time, he muttered gloomily, I see it now. What a pig I've been. A pig, that's me, just a pig, a plain pig. He waited till Mole's sobs became gradually less stormy and more rhythmic. He waited till the last sniffs were frequent and sobs only intermittent. Then he rose from his seat and remarking carelessly, well now, we better be getting along, old chap. Set off up the road again over the toilsome way that we've come. Wherever are you going, Ratty, cried tearful Mole, looking up with alarm. We're going to find that home of yours, old fellow, replied the rat pleasantly. So you'd better come along, for it's going to take some finding, and we shall need your nose. <laughs> so, I just think that's so fantastic, you know, what it feels like to, to, to sense your home, to sense it's nearby, and you can feel that longing, and it's so beautifully described, you know, how, how he has that. And I think, you know, home is such an important concept. We all gravitate towards it. I wonder what comes up for you when I ask you, to think of home. What comes up to you when I ask you to think of home? Is it where you live? Is it where your parents live? Is it wherever you're with your family? You know, I've got my home here. Am I going home to England? Do I come home to America? I mean, it's different. Is it wherever you are? There's a famous song from the 80s uh, uh, that has a light. It's called, Wherever I Lay My Hat, That's My Home. And we're going to play it to the end of the service, actually. But if you're live streaming, you won't be able to see it for copyright reasons. One reason for you coming back to the, the chapel. Uh, but we're going to play it to the end of the service. And, you know, home is such an important concept. We call the chapel a spiritual home for everyone and the word comes from the German word Heim H-A-I-M which means village as in we get the word Hamlet from that word Heim uh, and you know it has many different uses you know when you say to someone make yourself at home what that actually means is become comfortable in a place that's not your home you know make yourself at home in this place you have an idea of homing in on something, which is to find and move directly towards someone or something. So there's a whole smorgasbord of meanings around the concept. I've been thinking about the idea myself for a while, you know, with all the moves that me and my family have made over the last seven years. We've moved nine times. And... 
you know, it's difficult to put my finger on exactly what, you know, home does mean to me. But I know that, like Mole, there's an ache for something that I conceptualize as home. Is it somewhere permanent? Or somewhere I can put up my pictures and my furniture? Is it putting down roots so that one can grow? You know, whatever it is, I've noticed the subjects become important to me. I know that with all the moves that we've made, we've begun to define home in our family as our presence together, rather than the bricks and mortar we're within, or, or wood in the current phrase, actually, it's not bricks and mortar. Um, is the chapel being a spiritual home for everyone about this building? Or is it the attitude that we create as a community? I know in England they're always very keen to stress that the church is not the building, it's the community. And in that sense, the home we offer spiritually is about being held in our community, I think, rather than an actual place. Would we be a community without this building? Well, probably not, but maybe. It says in the Bible, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds of the airs have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, first, let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. For Jesus, home was not about dens or nests or family. It was about being in the zone and proclaiming the kingdom of God. That's what it was about for him. All of which, I think, raises more questions than answers. We can see the idea of home in the biggest way. You know, our real home is the universe. That's our home. Then the planet is our home as well. You know, the USA, Colorado's our home, the valley. Then there's our house. That's, that's our home. Our family's our home. Finally, actually, our heart is our home, the place where we connect with God. And then, you know, when you get to that, the circle begins again, because that connection with God in our hearts also connects us to the universal consciousness. And there, you're back with the universe again. So there are all these circles within circles where you can identify home. Home can be big, as big or as small as you like. I think no one concept is better or worse than any other. It's good to think of your heart as home. It's good to think of your family as home. It's good to think of your house, your town, your state, your country. It's good to think of the planet as being home. It means we want to look after it. And it's good to think of the universe being our home because then we feel connected to everything. 
So, you know, I think home is really about belonging. Home is about belonging. Belonging to, in the sense we are citizens of our community, of our country, of our planet. We, we belong to them, and in so doing, we're not only looked after by them, but we also have a duty to look after them as well. We have a duty to look after our, our planet, our home, our family, our hearts. There is a mutuality in belonging. There's a mutuality in belonging. The root of the word belonging is actually it means to go along with. That's, to belong is to go along with. It comes from be and longen, to go. So it, it, it's about actually being a part of something, being a member of, being a part of. That's what belonging is about. And much of the struggles and strife of our world is actually about the need to belong. It's about where we identify as home. Wars, things, you know, all of that is, is around what you identify with. And I think in politics, you know, the polarization of left and right is driven in part by a need to belong, a need to identify somewhere as home. You know, I belong here or I, I belong there. This is, this is my, my spiritual home. This is my political home. In politics, you know, to be in the middle ground is more difficult as it requires, I think, a centeredness from within. You know, you, you actually identify and you, you've got more of a middle ground. But there again, you know, the, the middle ground is where you belong. Again, that is a home. Religions are obviously about belonging. You know, cults. You know, the, the, the desire to, to actually feel that you really belong to something, you belong to something that has meaning, that you belong to something that's right, that you could give your soul to that, that they will give to you. And that, you know, people want to identify with something and they want to find their home there. To be part of a tribe, people often say, this or that, that's my tribe. To belong, it's an aspiration to find a home. So the the idea of home is about it's about being part of something, and we can see that on the biggest level and on the smallest level as well. Being part of our family, our house, our community, being part of our country, the desire for home is the desire to belong. The desire for home is the desire for long, the desire to be part of. In other words, the desire to recognize our oneness with our family, our oneness with our house, our oneness with my religion, our oneness with our country, our oneness with our universe, our oneness with God. Mole felt belonged by his home and that his home belonged to him. There, there's that mutuality again, that interdependence. So the desire for home is also the desire to recognize interdependence. The desire for home is the desire to recognize interdependence, our belonging, our oneness with everything, 
on as small or as big a level as you like. Jesus was all about proclaiming the kingdom of God. He said, that's where I'm going to identify. That's where I belong. That's where I will make my contribution. And I think as we look at our homing, we have to look at where we're making our contribution, maybe to our families, our communities, to the chapel, to our country, and to the planet and to the universe. You know, home, home is everywhere. And unless we experience everywhere as home, unless we experience everywhere as home, then we feel lack. We feel lack in being stateless. There's a lack. There's, you know, refugees feel a lack in their statelessness. You know, their connection that they lack with their country. Of not having a family. There's a lack. If you haven't got, you know, people ex experience that. A lack of not having a house, a house. You experience that lack of not feeling a part of the divine and the creative universe. Unless we experience everywhere as being home, we feel that lack very strongly. And our role in life, as we strive for that mutuality, is to embrace those concepts of home, all of them, in any way that we can. To open our chapel to all, to, for it to be a home. To open our families to others, to open our community and our country to those who are stateless. To have people feel that they are citizens of the planet, not just any particular country. And finally, to open our eyes to see the oneness of all and that we can come home to ourselves by opening our hearts to that divine nature which is at the centre of the universe. To really come home in all areas, the only way you can do it, you can't sort of go, but I'm going to be here, you know, take bits of it and try and do it. The only way you can do that is to know that deep I am that is inextricably bound up with our relationship with the divine. That is the shortcut to home on all levels. When you feel that connection, then everything else falls into place. All the other aspects of home will fall into place, which is why Jesus made home his home, the kingdom of God. He was saying, the answer is not family. The answer is not good works. The answer is not houses. The answer is the great I am. And once you experience that ultimate home, that home in the divine nature, that we reach through our hearts, then everything else falls into place. You're at home in yourself. You're at home, therefore, in, ever, in whatever house you're in, in whatever grouping or family that you're in, whatever country. You're at home in your planet, and you're at home in the universe. And that's why the great spiritual texts they really emphasize that identification with the I amness that's within. And you can see, you know, endless bits in the Bible. But, you know, what, what, what the bit that really always, you know, strikes me is that bit in the burning bush where, you know, Moses meets God 
And you know, he says to him, uh, you know, go off and tell them, you know, let my people go and all that sort of business. And uh, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of my father has sent me. And they ask him, what's his name? What shall I tell them? And God say, he say, he's saying to God, you know, who are you? What's your name? Where, you know, who, who should I say? Where's the Israelites' home? That's what he's really saying. Where do we come from? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And in doing that, he's making Moses identify with that connection that's within himself. And you, know, you can see that, that connection with the I am right the way through in the New Testament. You know, if you look at in the New Testament, Jesus says it so many times. You know, he says, I am who I am. I am the bread of life. All these I am's that are through the Bible. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth and the life. I am the true vine. You know, God made his own image in the likeness of I am. All those I am's, you know, and you see, you know, preachers, and they all want to say, you know, okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about the good shepherd. Let's talk about the door. Let's talk about the resurrection and the life. And they miss the fact that the commonality between all of it is the I amness. He said, I am. And he's just saying, I am like the door. You know, I am, yeah, the door's a bit of it, the resurrection life. But the key thing is the I amness. It is the identification with that connection with the divine, where we are fully at home. And, you know, it is in all those spiritual traditions. In the Upanishads, it says, in the heart of all things, I'm coming to the end, so don't panic. In, in the heart of all things, of whatever there is in the universe, dwells the Lord. He alone is reality. There is where your home is. You know, that reality within is where your home is. And, you know, discovering that within, discovering that connection, is the true discovery of the divine. When you discover that connection, that I amness, where you're truly coming from. And, you know, in this little series, we're going to go into little bits of it. But I'm just going to end now with a fantastic quote from B. Griffiths, who's a Hindu Christian mystic. And he says, and, you know, I don't mention the God word much here, but, you know, we're talking about God here. We're talking about that, that, that connection, is it? He says, for many people, the very idea of God has ceased to have any meaning. It's like the survival of a half-forgotten mythology. Before it can begin to have any meaning for them, they have to experience that reality for themselves in their lives. They'll not be converted by words or arguments, for God is not merely an idea or a concept in philosophy. God is the ground, the very ground of existence. And we have to encounter God as a fact of our existence before we can be fully persuaded to believe. To discover God is not to discover an idea, but to discover oneself. It is to awake to that part of one's existence which has been hidden from sight and which one has refused to recognize. The discovery may be very painful. It's like going through a kind of death, but it's the one thing which makes life worth living. And that's what it means to come home, to come home to that connection.
So I'm just going to ask you just to just do a tiny little meditation. It won't be too intrusive, hopefully. But if you feel like it, just close your eyes just for a moment. And at home, if you're, if you're sitting at home doing that. I just want to ask you, you know, what does home mean to you? Okay, just, just take that and let it go. What do you identify as home? Now just let that one go. And just come up with something else that you identify as home. Now think of something else that's your home. Now think of something that's not your home. Why is that? What's missing? Now go to the home in your heart. Into that great I am. That portal that takes you to the universal mind. Your home. Your body, your home. Your family, your home. Your community, your home. Your country, your home. Your planet, your home. Your universe, your home. As you identify with the universe as your home, come back to your heart and know that that is to all homes. Thanks for listening. If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, Subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.